Okay, we are live. Hello, America. Hello, Rochester, New York. Uh, welcome to Seeking Context, where we bring you the backstory with firsthand accounts of life in the modern world. And I am excited to be talking with you today with artist Jessica Drank. We are in her studio in Rochester, New York, and uh, we're going to be learning about what it's like to work as an artist in modern America uh, and find out about her career and some of the fun things you get to do when you create art for a living. Mm -hmm. So welcome. Very nice Thank to you. see you today. Thank you. Welcome to my studio. <laughs> um, and so I like to start out, usually I ask people like, what is a typical day? Like, like walk mm -hmm. me through a day. But I have a feeling that you have very atypical days and that they are different. So walk me through like what it's the things that you do as an artist. Right. Uh, it can range from working really hard with power tools and uh, getting really exhausted and really tired and dirty all day long to sitting around and looking very carefully at something I've just made and making decisions about what the next steps could be. So it kind of goes the range between those things. But generally, I just try and move everything forward that I'm working on and, and get it kind of progress. Progress is the main goal for every day in, in my world. It just is entirely up to me to decide what progress is and which progress to make on any given day. Right. Well, so like how many projects are in, like in here, we've got, I see multiple projects in process right mm -hmm. now. How many things are, how many balls are in the air at one time? Um, well, let's see, we could look around and count, but I usually work the way that I work personally. I know a lot of people, uh, maybe just do one kind of artwork, but my work, I divide into series and each series is often made out of a different material. And each series often has sort of a different, its own look and its own, uh, the, the creation of it is maybe uses its own sort of tools that I develop or its own process that I put the materials through. My work in general starts with a material that's a man-made material that I then put through a couple different iterations of process until it becomes a shape or a texture that you might recognize as being natural. And so it's kind of flipping the man-made world on on its head and, and making you think like that the materials that that you see I mean, that you use around you as that you think of as man-made, that they are actually from nature and there's this sort of life cycle to objects. Mm -hmm. So because of that, and because my work is so material-based, I work on several series at a time and each series... I'll be developing, maybe maybe it's something I've been working on for 10 years. And so I know exactly how to make those pieces. And I've really? got three of them that are in progress and they just need to, they need to get from step 15 to step 16. And that, that just makes sense to me. And I just will fit that in when I've got the space or the access to that tool or whatever it is. Or the weather sometimes cooperates and, and, mm -hmm. and that's the next step in that piece. And so in terms of like pieces that I'm working on, I don't know exactly how many, but often I'll do, I'll have uh, probably three to five series that I'm working on at any given 
moment. And within that series, several different pieces that I'm working on. And they're in all stages of, <laughs> of development from just sort of procuring the materials to work on that to uh, doing finished work and packing them and creating them and sending them off. Okay, cool. So like right now you're working on a junk mail series. Yes, that's one of my newer series. And so I'm really excited about it because I'm developing it currently. And I don't quite, it's not one of those 10 year long series that I know exactly what's going on with it. This is kind of new and fresh. And I'm trying to figure out, there's a couple different ways that I could take it so that it visually looks this way or that way. And I'm trying them both and trying to see if there's one that I prefer, if there's one that just makes more sense within the context of my artwork, that sort of thing. Right. Cool. Uh, so when you're working on the junk mail series, like mm -hmm. that's kind of all you're working on today. You're not going to also be working on the pencil series or a different medium. No, it just depends. It depends. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's like uh, I've got over in this corner, there's sculptures, three sculptures that I'm just gluing pencils together. And those might sit there for two weeks and I don't touch them, but they really just need like an hour's worth of gluing today. And then they need to sit and dry. And uh, so sometimes I'll just hit that. I'll hit like an hour's worth of work on something mm -hmm. else. I'll hit like, I just kind of, sometimes I just bounce around and do a little bit of something on each piece and then it needs to dry or cure or whatever. Um, sometimes it's like this today is only about gluing all, each of these pieces of junk mail together. And it's got to all happen today because at the end of the day, I shape it into the piece that it's going to be and then it dries and I don't get another chance. So it really, it's, it's very varied. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so if we go, uh, we go back a little bit mm -hmm. uh, in time, like, when did you decide you were going to be an artist for your, uh, for your life, for your living? That's a good question. Um, I always loved art. It was always a, something that I connected with. I always liked doing actually both art and craft projects and building things, making things with my hands. I always enjoyed that. And I always liked drawing and painting and, but I was, very practical as a child. And so <laughs> I, I think when I was in third or fourth grade, uh, we had one of those, you know, what do you want to be? What's your dream job kind of projects in school? And my, my dream job was I wanted to be an art teacher because I liked art and I wanted to be an artist, but I knew that they often didn't make much money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I was like, teacher, I'll be an art teacher. They have income. <laughs> they have income. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I'd say that, um, that I was always going to be interested in art and creating art, but it wasn't until basically the end of college when I thought that that was something that I could really, that I could really see myself doing permanently, potentially, if I could figure out a way to make to, to satisfy the practical side of me that, that wanted to have a career and wanted to be successful and wanted to, um, to contribute something. But right. I think the hardest part of making the decision to be an artist or to, of sort of like, as I was going along that path and thinking, could I do this? Could I do this? One of the things that, that sort of worried me was 
would I be able to come up with new ideas for my entire life? Do you just, you know, can you come up with something that's kind of neat and then run out? Or like a, can like you a guy keep, that makes movies, like yeah, oh, yes, gosh. exactly. Can you keep? It's like, do you have the next novel in you? Do you have the next like art series or art piece in you? And um, so that's kind of why I decided to go to graduate school was not really for the credential, but more for the time and experience of making art as a every day, all day for three years and seeing if I would run out, if I would run out of enthusiasm mm-hmm. and where it would go. And it's always just been more exciting and more generative of new things that new ideas than I ever could have expected or ever could have planned because it feeds itself. So I do something and it gives me a new idea. And so each, each, each thing that I do, each step that I take in the studio becomes something new because like like becomes a new idea because like it, it moves right. forward that's interesting so so but going to school going to art school mm-hmm. did help you decide it was it was it was a good thing you were glad you're yeah. glad you didn't just go out and become an artist yeah. like the education yeah. itself was valuable the education was valuable it was the experience and the feedback of for what i was doing um i, I mean they they were pretty hands off and let me just be in my studio making my work and then would come in for a critique every once in a while. And we'd talk about it. And then I think about it and reshape my work a little bit, but it was, it was kind of, it's like, it was art career practice for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Well, and did, uh, did art school teach you what you needed to know? Or was it a cre- just a creative environment for you to find out that you wanted to do this and then you figured it out? Right, right. Like in terms of, did it, like, what are the things they taught you mm-hmm. in terms of like how relevant they are to what you actually do uh, as, yeah, as yeah. a working artist? Well, certainly there were some skills that I picked up there. Mostly uh, studying art history in school was really helpful. Um, in terms of teaching, I mean, how do you teach someone how to be their own, to create their own kind of art. That That's the the task. And it's a really difficult one. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was helpful in that it, it, they let me, they let me do what I naturally wanted to do and then helped me figure out how to make it better. And the process of, of questioning what you're doing and figuring out how to make it better and being kind of, merciless with yourself in terms of is this good enough uh they they taught me to be kind of <laughs> kind of a kind of tough on myself and to make sure i would always push myself to take things to the next level which is incredibly important in my day to day in my career because the only boss i have and the only one looking out for what i'm doing and guiding me through my career is myself. And so without, without being critical and having a critical eye about my artwork, it, I would just stop at, you know, step three (laughs) and never get anywhere uh, as, as far as I can, can take something. And, And so I think that that's, that's maybe the most valuable part of most valuable thing I've ever learned is just to, to be, be able to take take my work further and further and further. Wow. 
So it seems like it's a satisfying thing to do. It is. <laughs> of course it is. It's, <laughs> it's frustrating. It's tough. Uh, it's, there's a moment where I have something in my head that I want to make and then I try and make it and it does not work out. <laughs> That's really rough. Mm-hmm. But in terms of something that is a lifelong inquiry into what I can create, that's like the most satisfying thing you can do. It's so great. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, well, so let's talk about a specific project because you did a fun project with me. Um, <laughs> yes. When, yeah. So uh, a few years ago, many years ago, we uh, sort of collaborated in a way on mm-hmm. a chandelier as in my house mm-hmm. in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one thing that I thought was cool about that is that like you brought all the pieces and then like it wasn't done. It, you you like built it on site mm-hmm. um, from sort of finished raw materials that were, were ready to be hung. Yeah, there were like, there were parts of a piece, but there was no map for how all the parts would fit together into a whole. There was just sort of, the we'll figure it out. Sensation. Right. We just, we want a light structure over the table mm-hmm. in this part of mm-hmm. the house. And then at the end of the sort of two days of hanging it, you said, okay, it's time for the, is it finished game? And I remember that. And we played the, is it finished game for maybe an hour or two. Yeah. I knew yeah. we got other people involved. So uh, tell like describe what is the, is it finished game? And is that something you have to do with every single piece? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, we were, I mean, we'd spent the day putting up these pieces. It was not as a chandelier. It was very unconventional. So the idea was, it was said sort of at first, like I want some sort of shade or something around my lights or some sort of chandelier. And I thought you meant like, a funky sculptural lampshade or something like that. But eventually mm-hmm. like together we developed this idea that, you know, I'd go like, well, you mean like this? And you go, well, I think maybe more like this. I want more. And, and so we kind of went back and forth and finally like got there. But the, when I brought all the pieces, we spent the day we started with, okay, well, obviously some pieces have to hang in the middle right here. And some pieces should be further back and further forward. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of, it made sense to sort of group them at the beginning. And then there came a point where it it sort of was like, well, you don't want to throw everything hanging in the air above your table. You want it to have symmetry or not symmetry, balance, but not symmetry. You want it to feel, have a sense of completion to it. And there's this sort of gut sense of, is it is it finished? Is it complete? Does it feel whole? Right. And if not, like what, I, I do play the is it finished game with absolutely everything and even stages of everything because it's it's the, the look and see if, there's one thing that is catching your eye that doesn't feel right. Or is like, is there a space that with your, you know, like, is there a, is there a space that's too big that feels just off compared to the rest of the spaces? Mm -hmm. Is there a piece that feels too different compared to the other pieces? And sometimes it's okay to have differences as long as they feel like they're a part of a cohesive whole. And so we played this game for a while. I was like, what do you think? Is it is that thing there? Does that feel strange to you? No, that doesn't feel strange to me. Okay, well, then it's not strange. How about this thing here? Yeah, right. I do. I played that with pretty much every piece is the, 
the and in fact I usually will get longer to play the game. I'll put the piece on my wall downstairs and walk by it for a couple of weeks and just see hmm. is there anything that that doesn't feel right and then I'll go one day I'll go I'm going to cut that little corner off and I cut the corner off and now it feels better. And, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, it's a it's a fun little that's that's exactly what I was talking about before in the sort of like pushing yourself to make sure you're doing the best work that you can do a part of it is just not accepting the very the the first version of something and making sure that there's not any changes you could make that you believe would make it better right well it must be nice when you create it because like for me it's that's the thing it's done can't i could, I could ruin <laughs> yeah, it yeah, like we were, we were moving yeah. you know this is a a thing that happened i was helping uh Lynn, mm-hmm. who's my cousin, your mother-in-law, move a piece of your art from Denver here to Rochester. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was petrified the whole time that it was going to break because we stored it perfectly, I thought, yeah, in the yeah. thing. But, and there and were fragile it, edges, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I would have just, like, redone part of it. Yeah, I could have just sanded that off if it broke, or I could have glued it back together. There's a million <laughs> ways to fix it or change it. And, and I just yeah. would have made sure that the change seemed right with it yeah 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 Yeah, it's much easier when when you've made it because it feels less the the finished game you know maybe you made the right choice and maybe you didn't or maybe something happens and now just make a slightly different choice (laughs) right right um so the 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 piece that i did was like a collaborative we I, i i asked you to like could we make something that's sort of like what you make mm-hmm. for a specific space? Right. You had in mind some of my work and then you wanted to know if that could work in that space and in, in right. that location. And, and yours was neat because you wanted to be hanging. And right. that's usually my piece. That piece usually goes on the wall. So it was a real challenge to figure out right. what would this look like? If it was hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that uh, common? Do you get commissions for like, I need a thing for this specific space in my gallery or in my yard or my, mm-hmm. my wall. There are, it, <laughs> everything is common and uncommon. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's no, no set rule. Um, a lot of people do something similar to what you did, which is that they see one of my series of work and they like, that that look and then they have a wall or a space that they particularly want to have that kind of thing there and i basically sort of do something that's similar but i resize it and shape it for for that location Mm -hmm. so that it feels appropriate on the wall it's like you get to choose how big it is and then it really feels uh like a part of your room that way right but i've also done a commission. I did a commission for the Macallan, the Scotch brand. Mm-hmm. And they they saw my work and they saw that I work with unusual materials and different kinds of man-made materials. And they had a project where they wanted a sculpture made out of one of the barrels that they aged their scotch in. Well, and so, fun. and I love scotch. <laughs> <laughs> so I was totally in. Right. Just give and, me two cases. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they had me come up with an idea. What would you do for an outdoor sculpture based on if we sent you a barrel? And I came up with this idea and sent them a drawing. And it was unlike anything I'd ever done before in that I never worked with that particular material and I had 
it's one of the only outdoor sculptures I've ever made, but that was a fun, like that's the, the other side of it too, is I can come up with an idea. And as long as I can present that and figure out how to make that happen, then that's, that's its own thing. So. Wow. That's cool. So how long did it take you from like, then you got an email or you got a phone call mm-hmm. to installing that project Is that years oh, in the making? Or that months? was probably a year, probably about a year. Um, a lot of things are several months uh, mm-hmm. because people, once they've decided they want something, they, they want it, you know, they want to see it on their right. wall and I want them and I want to make it once I've kind of had the idea and, and gotten going on it. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a few months up to a year, maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, do the, do requests like that for a specific project often come from a person or does that sometimes mm-hmm. get rooted through like a gallery that knows who you are? Right, right. Often it goes through, I work with several galleries and I work with them. Like they represent my work uh, exclusively. I don't really sell out of my studio. Mm-hmm. So I I don't like independently sell my artwork. So most of the those requests I send to a gallery and somebody works with a gallery to like to create the commission and, and I, and then like I'll do the work and send it to the gallery and they'll put it up usually. So. Right. And so how does the gallery work? And here I'm kind of interested in just like, how does the business of being an artist Mm. work? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you have to get paid and Mm -hmm. I assume the galleries take your stuff and sell Mm -hmm. it to a person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like how does that whole relationship work with the gallery and with right, their, right. their patrons, I guess. Right. It's well, it's different and it's changing too. It's always changing, but traditionally uh, or the way that I've sort of been doing it is that the galleries usually have a group of artists that they are representing their work. And that means that, that they're, that's maybe like 20 artists that they, they know their work and they will do a show with that artist where they'll show just that artist's work or they'll put them in shows where they group works from their, all their artists together. And um, so, so basically from sort of start to finish, it's, we're going to do a show in the gallery uh, in a year or a year and a half. And some of the work that we think might be in it is going to be this and that and that, and then whatever else you come up with in the meantime, I create the work, I bring it to the show, we put it up in the gallery, usually for a month to two months. And people come and see the work in person during that time. And they also put the work out into the world digitally so that maybe they can get requests um, from people that aren't able to come and see the show itself, but they're sort of promoting my work through the show, the event of the show. Right. And then they anything that doesn't sell in the show, which, you know, realistically, often a lot of pieces don't sell just in that one to two month time period. Um, they keep in the gallery and they put it in the back of the gallery and will bring it out for any clients that come into the gallery over the next couple of years that are mm-hmm. interested in my work and want to see what they've got. They'll pull it out. They'll show it to the clients. Um, so the work then from that show will sell throughout the next few years generally wow so you get 
a year, when you get that like 18 month lead time, are you creating pieces for that, for that show? You're like, okay, I need to make six new pieces in this series and take them down to Dallas or something. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'm finishing the work for another show for the first eight months (laughs) and thinking about what I'm going to produce for the next one. Um, A lot of my work takes a long time and some of it is better to do in the summer than in the winter. If it needs to, if there's a lot of sort of messy grinding work that needs to happen outside, I don't want to be doing that in the winter. So I'll try and get that done during the summer so that it's ready for the show. Um, It's, I mean, some of it's just mental preparation and also developing new work because often if I've had several shows with one gallery, they've seen many of my series before at that location and they want the next series, the new series. So mm-hmm. a lot of that lead time is in the development of the next series and coming up with the next series to to like debut it in the next show. Right. Right. That's really interesting. Um, so you told me one time that uh, when you're working with a gallery that you're that you said you started sharing stuff on social media mm-hmm. and that was an unexpected blessing because <laughs> you could talk to the galleries less because yeah. you all they always need to communicate. So how did that work and what's what's going on in social media for artists? Um, well, I mean, I think it's varied. Some artists are making their living entirely showing their work on social media and developing a client base based on that. I knew that I didn't (laughs) want to do that and I wasn't suited for that. And I didn't think that uh, something like Instagram was for me because that's the kind of thing that I'll take some photos of and of my work and be excited about for a few months and then just completely drop the ball on and (laughs) frustrate people who have started following me. And I didn't really want to do that. But I did start Instagram last summer and found that it was fun in the traditional ways that posting photos and getting positive feedback are fun. <laughs> love me, love me. Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but had a real benefit in that I could, uh, instead of sending images of what's going on in my studio to my galleries so that they they get a sense of like how things are developing because they're kind of they're in another town and they're they don't know they don't get to come to my studio all the time and see this is basically their opportunity to see how things are going in my studio and what I'm working on and sometimes I'll put up a an image and a gallery will say oh oh I love that please, you know, finish it and send it, send me the the finished photo right away. And, you know, we're excited. I think I have a client for that piece or something like that. Um, Or it just lets them see the process, which they hadn't necessarily seen before so that they know when I say I'm working on it, it's like, (laughs) I'm out here grinding this. I'm really working on it. You know, this is a process. Stop bugging me. Yeah. And and also just use it to show their clients, how some of these things are made because they're not, it's not always obvious how, what an artist's process is. And so it's kind of fun to be able to, to show that to the world and to show that to, to my galleries so that they can also promote my work. So. Right. It's kind of like the story behind the story is interesting and how people like to talk about it, especially because you're making things out of materials that don't look like the art that it is. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Uh, how did how did COVID go for the art business in your your last year? Did yeah, it- yeah. Um, my last year was was fantastic. <laughs> I had such a good time. I mostly because I just had a real. I was all primed for a real creative burst last year and had it and it was fantastic and came up with some several new series over the summer and um and put up a great show in Dallas so it was really exciting in terms of like the art market in general and also I'll say I work out of my home and so Nothing really changed when I had to stay home. <laughs> so, this is what I do all the time, yeah, everyone. Yeah, I work alone with no other people <laughs> for months, you know, in the same room. So that right. <laughs> it felt natural. Um, but, you know, the art world, at first it was, there was the, you know, the, the same shock, economic shock as everything else. And, um, but then it felt like people were interested in art and interested in, looking at art and um and even buying art because they were looking at their walls they were in in their house looking at their walls and thinking oh we could put this on right we could get this boredom is good for your industry yeah (laughs) Yeah. boredom where you have to stay home yes rich people boredom (laughs) yeah well yeah but also just people that like people had time to Time to peruse things mm-hmm. and, 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 right, and think yeah. about what they want. And think about it. Yeah. And I think also uh, visual art that could be shared like that. Like we had a, a good year as opposed to say actors and musicians that perform live, those kinds of things. You know, my, my work is always just like you take it and you live with it. And, right. and that made sense. So it, it actually was a... It's very friendly for a social distanced world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll drop it here and you can pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You didn't have to have the Domino's warning for not right. coming to the door. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, it was it was fine, actually. Um, mostly I just... Um, I felt for the other artists that were... That needed that that live component to be right. able to to do what they do. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, another place that like you get to be socially distanced is a, a a piece of property you have affectionately called the land, uh, which I visited. <laughs> this beautiful uh, place in New Mexico, and so uh, and I remember when we were out there, you're like, ah, it kind of like helps you think about your work yeah. and what you want to do in the yeah. future. So yeah. what is it about like the New Mexico landscape, if it's unique to that area mm-hmm. or about, you know, nature that helps you yeah. Uh, yeah. process and, and, and move forward mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. thinking about your art? Well, I think first of all, anytime that I'm out in the world and not in my studio, it's a different experience. Like travel, I, because I can't produce anything while I'm traveling, it really gets the creativity going because I think about things that I could do. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of, it, I always come back from vacation with projects <laughs> that I, that I want to try, but there's something about New Mexico that feels and, and the sort of the Southwest desert that has always felt right to me. And at some point in college, I realized that the, color palette that I prefer to work with is a very neutral color palette that you Mm -hmm. would recognize 
in New Mexico. A lot of the, the pieces that I make have a um, browns and cream colors, whites, tans, grays, all those sort of really muted colors that are basically that desert landscape. And mm -hmm. so I think there's some, some part of it where the things that naturally come out of me are of a certain color. And that is that when you're surrounded by that, it, uh, it makes me feel at home, I think. And then another component to it is just the, the textures that, that you get to see. And you get to see over like long distances, you get to see the texture of a cliff that's far away and you get to see the texture of the rock that you're sitting on. And those things I really respond to creatively. And then I think there's also something where, uh, because my work deals with, with us as humans and the objects that we're creating out of the natural world and introducing into our world, the man-made world, and then discarding into back into the world, the earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that, that sort of, I think about that process a lot and about the process of what we leave behind and then sort of our, the evidence of us as mankind, our, our archaeology, essentially, I do sort of like a, a contemporary archaeology. And mm. there's something about looking at a canyon wall where you're seeing stripes of colors and each one is representing, you know, 10 million years. Right. Or more. And like you're looking at this, that's that's a hundred million years. And there's something about the just sort of the awe of that that I mean, it, it's like the same thing as looking at the stars. It makes you feel right. sort of small and a part of something large at the same time. And for some reason that all that kind of gets my my creativity going as well, or it makes me feel at home somehow or grounded. Yeah. I mean, I, I see that now that you describe it in the, the piece that's downstairs on your table with the, uh, the junk mail. Yeah. It looks like a geological formation with tans and yes, yeah, layers uh, yeah. of, of history. Yeah. And I'm sure it's no coincidence that I've been making that series and started that series the year after I bought that land <laughs> and went and started hanging out there because right. I was looking at those layers of rock and then I was seeing junk mail COVID hit and I thought oh what am I gonna do for materials I don't want to go out into the world and procure my materials and I was seeing junk mail pile up in my recycle bin and it was kind of layered and I just thought oh it'd be cool if you could just cut through those layers what does it look like in 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 profile, uh, what would that look like? And just started experimenting. And, right. and so the things that I've been looking at are coming out in my work. And that's always been the case for me, the, that nature is, is inspiring to me in that I think I just sort of, I like to go out. I like to see, I like to look carefully at things and any sort of little texture or wide vista and that sort of imprints on me. And then every time I make something, some bit of that might come out right. in the shapes or textures that I'm creating. Right. Um, that's kind of amazing. 
<laughs> are there, so is that series? Is that have, have you uh, sold or shown? Yes, I, uh, yeah, that was uh, the end of last summer. Okay, I, yeah, I, I was, yeah, and I was is it, are, are people receptive to it? Oh yeah, is yeah, getting a warm reception. Well, it's, to the concept? it's just so wild to see to see something like I really changed the material. And so at first you don't necessarily know what you're looking at. And then you can go up and look and see little, little snippets of a catalog or some bill or something like that. And so it, I think people always respond to something that they know, but they didn't know that, that they were looking at it. You know, they're looking at a material uh-huh. and, and they, they think it's one thing and then they get closer and now know it's something entirely different. And I've never seen it that way before. The surprise, the surprise is yeah. part yeah. of your yeah, yeah. Uh, appeal, I yeah. guess, to some people. <laughs> well, it's just, it's a fun part of my work. It's the one part that I can never really experience myself because I create it. So I never <laughs> <laughs> have that surprise. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. You need it. Uh, other artists need to surprise you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I noticed you had a piece downstairs that like you traded a piece, like Mm -hmm. a a friend Mm -hmm. that's an artist. Um, Do you uh, collaborate with other artists or get inspired by other pieces of of art or is nature your, the the mother of your invention? Um, Yeah. I I mean, I definitely am more of a a solo worker, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there are, I have both artists that inspire me and inspire my work and good friends who are artists that we get together and talk about the process of creating work or understand each other's work and can kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Mm-hmm. And I have one good friend who I think is the piece you're talking about, the trade, that she was the person who came with me to New Mexico when we discovered the land. Mm. And uh, so we will go there sometimes and talk about our work. In, in that location. Right. It's, it's really fantastic. And, and, and sort of, so then the creativity is coming and then there's a collaborate collaborative sort of idea making. And we, we did it. We did do a collaboration piece uh, together after we started going there. So, so That's cool. a little bit. Yeah. Often the, it's more in the, the idea that there are other people experiencing the same woes as a creative <laughs> as you <laughs> the suffering this, this the suffering or just the excitement over things you know i get excited over things that other people do not and so it's sometimes it's nice to have somebody that can see with that right. see, see the value in something the way that i would see it they get it they get it yeah right well you do have some help like you have an assistant and your parents sometimes help i mm-hmm. think dave your husband david sometimes helps with he you know, carries everything more times than he'd like <laughs> <laughs> down to the garage up yes, to the studio yes, down yes. to the garage yeah, okay. yeah. um and so uh i guess I, i've seen like other artists like they sort of apprentice other people so that they can mm-hmm. produce more work oh right. but that's not really mm-hmm. what you do right like you have some help but you're kind of putting all of the things together and they're helping you with raw materials yeah usually it's help? it's the the Parts I, when I, you know, as I develop my work, there are sections of it, you know, I've been talking about like, oh, there's, you know, 17 steps to finish the piece. And, uh-huh. uh, and that's just, I invent every one of those steps. They're, they're, none of them are traditional 
anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like there's no YouTube video. Well, it's not like, yeah, here's how you make a bronze casting. Step one is this. Um, my, my work is always just, I come up with it and then I try a lot of it's very time consuming because I'll use like a thousand pencils in a sculpture and I have to figure out the most efficient way to glue those pencils together. It cannot be like painstakingly painting each fa- facet of the pencil uh, with glue and then, you know, sticking it to another. It's right. got to be a little bit faster. So I come up with my my sort of um, streamlined techniques for doing something. And sometimes a task will just be like brushing a clear coat on the outside of a thousand little things. And my mom will come and do that for me. And uh, I'll sort of show you here's how you do it. And and then she just gets to work on it. And it's the same. Uh, My assistant often will, will is like a little more involved in the creative part. Will you know, sometimes she'll say, what about this? Or that looks a little this, or, you know, she's Mm -hmm. kind of a good person to bounce things off of because she has a good eye and she's studying photography. Uh, But yeah, sometimes it's just like, we need like eight man hours of sanding on the face of this piece. And, you know, (laughs) I do not have the energy for eight man hours right now. Yeah. That makes me not want to be an an assistant as much as I thought I might. Yeah. It's not really that exciting. (laughs) I think she would tell you it's really not. Yeah. And I'm looking at these pencil structures now over here and I'm seeing there really are thousands of pencils. Yes. Oh, yes. There's thousands of pencils. And yeah, and you glued yeah. them all together. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I can't even yeah. imagine how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's because of mom. Well, no, I did. <laughs> I mean, I do all this, but it's uh, I but I came up with a system. I have, have a system. system for everything. I systematize everything so that it, it so that it's most efficient and so that the results are the most uh, there's stability in the results of what I'm making. Right. Uh, but, you know, like the junk mail we've been talking about, I don't just use it in full catalog form. My assistant's been sitting back there at a paper cutter, cutting all of the mail into two inch strips for months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so just so that we can like glue it together. <laughs> you know, that's step one. Cut junk mail right. know, into strips. So. Like today's job is like a two foot pile of yeah. strips. Yeah. And organize it, you know, make sure it looks organized <laughs> <laughs> so that I can just like unorganize it as I right. go and glue it together. Not by topic of junk mail. No, no, by color. <laughs> is it? Oh, by color? Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. make the layers of the. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the same with uh, books when I use books. Uh, I use they sort them by color because that's what you're going to see. Basically, it's not topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's interesting because like in the chandelier, there's some that are sort of tan and some that are brown, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. like the colors of those were intentional. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Oh, did not know that. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so uh, you must meet a lot of interesting people in your line of work, like in terms of clients mm-hmm. and stuff. Oh, yeah. um, and, uh, and I'm sure that some of your projects are really challenging and some are fun. Do you have any favorite experiences with a particularly uh, unique project? Well, many of them have been pretty unique and fun. Yours was pretty good uh-huh. uh, because that was such a, we collaborated so well together. That was a unique experience. Um, there have been other projects. I had a great one where I got to some, some of it's the travel. I get to go and install the work 
on the wall where it will live mm. because I have some pieces that are made out of a thousand little pieces of book sculptures that then I pin individually to the wall. So it's like a thousand pins going into the wall and I, there's no map for it. I do it sort of as I, as it goes up. <laughs> and so, uh, so I just go that usually I'll, I'll travel with my box of little book pin pieces and I will put it up in somebody's home or whichever, whatever like location that they've got over the course of a day. And that's always fun just because I get to connect with where it will be. And people love to see the pieces going up. Um, so a lot of it's yeah. just sort of like traveling to where and, and, and installing the pieces can be really fun. Um, I've gone to various places like, uh, well, I guess one of the, the fun places was I got to go to Brussels. And so I got to um, uh, like take all the little pieces and I had to put them in a box, figure out how to like get one large wall sculpture into a box that I could take on the airport airplane <laughs> and then go through customs with it, which was fine because it didn't look like anything. <laughs> and, um, and then I got to to be there and to meet the woman who was buying the piece and put it on her wall. And um, there's all these different little pieces. I had this map for how it would all go together, which was fortunate because she recently just contacted me and said that she's moving and how, how might she move that piece? And so then I had the whole map and I sent her all the photos and the, the whole map and we'll see if it works. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you, you don't have a plane ticket to go move it yourself. Not yet, but I would go. It sounds like where she's moving sounds really, really cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's neat it, to see. It's neat to see the various like the places where people are putting my artwork up, right. um, and and just you know meeting them and seeing what else they're acquiring. Sometimes they just have you know like a fascinating decorator that's that's doing something really interesting. So. Right. Yeah. I can say on the other side, it, you feel special when there's an artist like putting an installation <laughs> in your house. Yeah. It's like, how did that sound? How's this my life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for a new person, I, I was just thinking about all of the things that you do and how it's kind of complicated and you've been able to actually turn it into a real profession. Oh yeah. This is uh, great. But, but like you actually are earning you. It's not like this is a side job. No. And I assume is... for a lot of artists, that's kind of a side thing that they do. Uh, but many of them not like for a person going into art school or thinking about it, like, is it a realistic career choice for a normal person? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think it, to be an artist, to make a living as an artist, you have to do something unique and something special that people, that all different kinds of people will find engaging in some way. And so that's, that's one thing. You know? <laughs> um, but there's also like, there's many different ways to make art a part of your profession. You can be an art teacher, like I dreamed of <laughs> being. Um, you can use those skills in a different way. I like I know at least one person that I went to school with is a tattoo artist. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, so like she's using her skills in that way. 
And she was in your MFA program. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I think some, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it's a realistic thing, honestly, but I also know that people who are creative in creating art and who have, uh, I guess I'd say not, not business savvy, but some amount of uh, the ability to, to create something in a non-art context, like a business mm -hmm. uh, can do very well and can come up with ways to use their particular skill set in to the best advantage. Right. You know, what, with whatever that might be. And I've met so many artists that are doing all different kinds of things or are doing their art and a version of their art that is for the specific purpose and that pays the bills or something like that. So, right. Yeah. Eh, it's, it's a tough one though, because it is the, it's like the opposite of you go to med school, you're going to be a doctor. Right. <laughs> gonna, and know? the income is going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's a very defined path. And for art, uh, it is like, it's like the least defined path you could possibly, you have to, you have to lay every stone of that path yourself and right. hope it go is going somewhere. <laughs> you know? Well, your parents are pretty supportive, but were they always, were they skeptical or did they say, well, get the degree so you can be a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh gosh. Yeah. The, I know they were always really supportive but i think that it was when i got my my not my mfa but my my college degree and some of my professors went up to my parents at our senior show and told them that i was talented and that i could do this i should go to art school or something that mm -hmm. that was when they kind of went okay <laughs> you know she's got somebody Somebody who knows something about this, like thinks that she's got something. So that, you know, that a was a little bit of validation. That was a, that was a big, big moment for my mom. I'm sure. That's coming um, out of your undergrad. Yeah. Before you yeah, went to yeah. spend yes. a bunch of money getting an MFA. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but I also, I think that, yeah, I think they just are kind of in, awe of the fact that it's worked out because they've seen it every step of the way. And there've been so many places where it could have kind of fizzled out or just not quite mm -hmm. gone that way. And, uh, and so I think that, I think we're all kind of impressed and surprised that it's worked <laughs> out. <laughs> right. Well, I can tell you like as an entrepreneur and just being in the business world after I left the military, like the roller coaster of my experience is textbook. Uh, do you, have you experienced that in your career? Like you feel like, oh, I'm failing or this part of my. Oh, constantly. And my husband and I just refer to it to the whole thing as like a roller coaster because you're either like, you've just opened this amazing show and you're getting great feedback and there were some sales and things are like, like, yeah, you're like, you're on top of the world. And then, you know, like four months later, you've been in your studio for three months. And not a lot's happened mm -hmm. and you're worried that you're not going to come up with something good again. And some of the sales haven't been happening like you thought they would. And it's like, it's like you're either in, you feel incredibly rich or incredibly poor or you feel right. like, 
Like there have been several times where I've just thought, well, maybe this is it. <laughs> this End is, of your career. Yeah, this, this might be it. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Like, like it's gone well. I, I'm happy with what's happened, but this might be the end. And then right. something kind of comes back around and rejuvenates things. But you never know. You could just not. And so, right. yeah, it really keeps you on your toes. You do have to be willing to weather all the ups and downs and the the question marks. It's not it's not for somebody who feels like stability is the most important uh, in, in the career. <laughs> In the career, uh, uh, what careers for you questionnaire, like is stability important is like, it has to be a no. <laughs> <laughs> no Venn diagram yeah, overlap yeah, yeah, with somebody yeah. that needs stability. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> well, you get some stability because David has, a, your husband, David has a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think you could have done it without a partner? that like helped make you feel secure financially? Mm, um, Would you still have just gone for it? I don't know. I mean, the other half of that is that he was my biggest sort of emotional support too, as I was getting started. It was not just financial, but he was the one who was like, you should just, I I was getting my, my master's and thinking, what am I going to do next year? well, I could substitute teach or I could do this or I could do that. And I was thinking of all these practical things. And he was like, why don't you just try doing art? You know, <laughs> try, try, try do that. You know, the thing that you're trained for and really good at do that. Right. And so that, that was the, like, I think it's both the financial and the emotional support. I think both of those things are really helpful to have. Um, I probably could have, gotten by for a while with a a second job or something like that without that that help but the it's the sort of like having somebody believe in you makes a big difference in yeah in terms of what you're willing to endure and for how long and um in your belief in yourself and so i'd say i'd say that that like both of those types of support are really helpful I don't, I don't, I truly, there's no way to know if I could have done it without them, but um, things like lined up really well. Did it take years? Like how long was it after finishing your MFA before you realized I'm an artist with a living? (laughs) Yes, it was the best time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was years, but I was anticipating it was going to take much longer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm practical. And so I... My sort of my only career goal in life ever was just that I wanted to be able to make a living making my work full time. That was my mm-hmm. only career goal. And that felt like realistic for a long career. Like eventually I could get to the point where I could make a living doing it. And I think probably because I was comfortable sitting in that place for a while and working, working towards it, uh, it and, and I got lucky at different times. Um, it came faster than I thought. Maybe, oh gosh, I'm going to say maybe five to seven years in, I thought like, all right, this is pretty solid. I'm, I'm like, this might work. And right. uh, for the last 
four or five years, I've felt like this better work because I don't have any other skills. <laughs> I have no fallback, no other training. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the midlife, yeah. but you're yeah. not quite as yep. advanced as I am. I but, cannot yeah. be retrained. <laughs> so that's it. That's it. It's like commit, full commitment. <laughs> right. Well, so some for somebody at the start of that journey, any advice on like from your perspective? Wow. Yeah. Um, I think, oh my gosh, and some of the best is this, what we were talking about at the very beginning of this about being, being sort of hard on yourself or like being your own standard bearer is one of the, or like controlling your own standards. So like making sure that your work is as good as it can get, that's always going to be your job. And hmm. uh, so developing that sense for yourself is really important um, because nobody's going to tell you that your work isn't good enough. They're just going to not buy it or support it or take you in their gallery or something like that. So, so you have to figure out how to make it good. Um, I think another thing is just being willing to, to dream and, and set goals, but not be too particular about getting there that like goals are for <laughs> are for getting you moving rather than getting you to a location because a lot of times I've set goals for I want to have I want to be represented by a gallery I want to get a gallery that will give me a show and the way that that occurred was not the path that I was planning and so it so it's it's sort of more like a put yourself out into the world with a vague goal and all of your all of your work and all of your heart and everything like throw everything you've got at it and then see what happens and react to that and and also uh, like just in art and i think in so many things in life it's uh it's it's a matter of putting everything you have into it like every every ounce of your energy and your time and your your love and your passion like all goes into the into your work and that makes it work <laughs> that makes it good you know um so those are some of the things and then i think the other thing is just to take advantage of every opportunity that you get and to really really give it your all in any, anytime anybody ever gives you an opportunity or anytime anybody is, uh, is supportive of you, uh, you know, be as thankful as possible. And, uh, you know, if they ask for, if they ask for 10, give them 15 or, uh, like do sort of just try, even if you don't think that that's going to lead to something. Um, I've shown my work in places that were not necessarily, um, I don't know, it didn't seem like it was like going straight to success to show your work there. But I'm, but somehow that made a connection or two that then eventually led somewhere that that was positive. So um, it's sort of the like, the reverse of don't burn your bridges is like, like don't prejudge opportunities and because you just never know what 
what's going to lead to something positive? So relationships matter. Relationships matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also just, uh, um, like keeping your personal standards high for your work, but not necessarily inflicting that upon other people or not, you know, like right. you, I don't have to be in the fine art gallery in New York. You can't, you can't, your first show can't be a museum show every day. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you've got to work towards things and success comes in like tiny little increments and it all builds on itself and it kind of starts rolling at a certain point. So like, mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's some point where it feels like everything that you're doing is not really getting you very far, but then that kind of starts to accumulate, I guess, and, and become something more. And so, and art's really difficult because you can go to a museum and you can see examples of success right there. And technically you are capable, you know, like you have oil paints and canvas, you could make a masterpiece. <laughs> you know? And so that kind of starts to like weigh on you. And instead you just have to sort of start somewhere and do the best you can and keep going every time, like trying to do the best you can. Right. And eventually you are making those pieces and people are seeing them and responding to them. It, it just takes a long time. Right. Well, so I just, to close out, like, so do you have a grand vision for the next five years, the next 10 years, or is it just, I'm incrementally stepping forward into this next quarter and that's how it goes. Uh, it's incremental. Yeah. I don't have a, I, I don't have a grand vision. I mostly am just so excited looking back at what I've been able to create that I never would have dreamed that I would have made any of those things. It's not, it's not like I sat back and thought, well, this is what it's going to be. And it's all been so exciting and so fun and um, just unexpectedly cool at, at every step that uh, I'm mostly just excited to see what happens in the next five, 10 years. Just to find uh, out. Just to find out living. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a hoot, whatever it is. <laughs> Well, that's great. So uh, for for closing, so so if people want to see what you do, jessicadrink.com, right? Yep, that's my website. And that's where you can see all of my finished pieces and the series that I've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if you want to see some more of what's going on in the studio and um, the sort of how I make things and what I'm kind of doing on a day-to-day -day basis, I've got a, the Instagram account that's just right. jessicadrink. Right. I assume the tours and uh, podcast interviews aren't open to the general public. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel very special. Um, well, and like if I wanted to see your stuff in a gallery, are you in uh, all over the country? How, how would I find out what galleries you're in? Yeah. On my website, jessicadrank.com, there's a list of the galleries that I work with. And so you can then go to their websites. Um, I also have a calendar of upcoming events. That's probably not exactly updated. Um, but you could, but yeah, you can see if there's a gallery in your area. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Really interesting to learn about your career. And I do feel genuinely privileged to have an art piece in my place in San Diego and to see uh, where it was 
where the magic happens. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Person, I just love so. that you appreciate what I do. Anytime that anybody connects with my artwork, it, it, it feels so special. And I just feel like it's just, it's a gift. <laughs> you know, it's great. <laughs> well, I feel very lucky. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks. That's it for this week. And uh, kind of like art, I don't even know who my next guest is. <laughs> day to day, <laughs> so, man. So <laughs> uh, we're going to find out what happens next week on Seeking Context, including who the person is that I'm going to be talking to. So <laughs> we'll see you guys then. Bye.